Hey there, this is Fred Pissarro, and you're listening to Metal Matters, the official Gimme Metal podcast, where we explore all things new, some things classic, but all things heavy, with my co-host, Michael Bernan. Today on Metal Matters, we bring you the first of a two-part episode with our dear friend and one of contemporary metal's most endearing people, Dylan Walker. As many of you probably know, Dylan is the frontman of Herculean death, grind, noise masters full of hell. His glass-gargling, ferocious vocals and dominating presence on stage and record helped cement the band into one of today's preeminent extreme music fixtures. Through keeping up an incessant touring schedule and maintaining a prolific output of music, Full of Hell have developed one of the most loyal and ravenous fan bases the world over. We touched on so many subjects with Dylan that we had to break it up into two installments, which is the first for us here at this humble podcast. Today you'll hear about some of the fundamentals of touring, the thankless job of booking shows, and the invisible lines between punk and metal. Stay right where you are, you're not going to want to miss this one. What's going on, Dylan? Man, just just walk the dogs, sneezing a lot. There's so mm-hmm. much fucking pollen in the air here. I don't know yeah. if New York has that problem. You guys kind of, you guys oh, we do. Have, I think yeah. I only I think I got allergies when I moved here. I That's didn't have allergies till I moved here. Dirty uh, pollen. It it definitely pops off here. I had it way worse back back in Pennsylvania, but like depending on where you are here, like it can get real fucking gnarly. I always forget you lived in Philly. Philly, right? Oh yeah. 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 I grew up right out right outside of Philly. Doco. Home yep. of Mayor of Easttown. Close to where Bam Margera Kind. Is, yeah. Bam Margera is from Westchester. West he is rich. He is rich. He's from Chester County, which is where Mayor of Easttown uh takes place on the show. However, Mayor of Easttown is based on Aston, which is very much Delaware County, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And they constantly talk about my like fucking like towns that I hung out in, like my old high schools, like, blows your mind. all this shit. And like, it's yeah. You, you wind up fucking like, you know, sitting up pointing at the screen and yelling. And uh, then you're, you know, your partner from Colorado just kind of looks at you and goes like, why do you care about this? You know, like, cause I'm special. There's a TV show about me. Yeah. Have you kept up with Bam you nowadays? He's uh, he had like a serious mental no. breakdown. I think drugs like pickled his brain. I think Ooh, like Bam? My, my age group was the age group that would have watched Viva La Bam. It's a pretty shitty show in retrospect, but mm-hmm. he invented his own alien language and he's just like, it's really sad, actually. It's it's not that funny, but it's it's very fascinating because he's just like in his own fucked up, weird, self destructive world, you know, spiraling. Yeah, definitely. It's it's really brutal, but yeah, I mean, he's like at a point where he's definitely like lost his mind permanently. I I wonder if anyone has ever said no to that guy ever. Probably not. You know, I I mean, uh, okay, probably. Probably not for a long time, but 
I, I could tell you from like a degree of experience, like um, my high school band played with that CKY band a lot, yeah. like when they were still like only playing in the suburbs and they were called Camp Kill Yourself. Yeah. And, you know, Bam was like, like people kind of knew who he was, but like he was always just like, you know, kind of like this dude around skating and like nobody really cared until like until those landscape videos kind of really started popping off and yeah like i mean i think that like he probably had it as easy as any other rich kid but like not not like he, he wasn't always like fucking like celebrity dude and uh yeah yeah but i mean that's so this is like this meltdown is kind of like an ongoing thing yeah, for a long time, I think. Um, I mean, yeah, he was just like a normal kid who pulled like normal small town shithead things like anybody else. That's what everybody liked about it, I think. Yeah, but totally. When, when people are feeding into that and giving you like seven figures to just keep doing it and your parents play along with it and everything, I'm sure it's hard to turn it off. No, you know? I'm, I mean, you shouldn't be getting a million dollars to like fucking, I don't know, like drink a coca-cola enema like beat the fuck out of your dad <laughs> yeah exactly i mean yeah wake up yeah wake him up with uh, fireworks yeah i mean de- depends on who your dad is <laughs> yeah good point i guess <laughs> oh uh, Alan, dylan i was gonna ask you what was the last what do you think was the longest time that you took not touring was it like after you got married no dude you know you know it's kind of fucked up I try not to think about this too deeply because I feel fucked up for doing it. Yeah. But we had a tour booked um, like a week after the wedding. Mm-hmm. So, oh, wow. And it was, it I was, I remember a, that actually. It was a yeah. cool opportunity, but it was really long and it was a successful tour. But man, I had such crazy, terrible anxiety and mm-hmm. it felt so bad about it. Yeah. I don't know. It was, I, I don't know. I don't even know if I made the right decision. It was a decision I made, you know, yeah. and my wife was super supportive of it, mm-hmm. but uh longest break of touring would probably have been maybe like the first year or two I was in full of hell or before that. So like, you know, 18 years old and yeah. I'm 31 now. So there were no long breaks ever. Jesus. So it's weird. I, I I've liked, I've liked it, you know, despite the context, which is like so scary and fucking depressing. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure her dad felt the same way. I, I was like, fuck, did I make a stupid ass decision? Like mm-hmm. dedicating so many years of my life, turning myself into this weird man child that, you know, doesn't want to have a real job now. And like, now there's a pandemic and live music <laughs> might never come back. Am yeah. I a fucking idiot? <laughs> like, yeah. That's how I felt. But uh, you know, aside from the, the that dilemma, it, it's been a nice break to sit around, I guess. Dude, same. I mean, like, I, I, I don't even tour. I, I, I'm on the other side of the fence. Yeah. You know? what do you, how many gigs do you think you were going to a year? Like, at your peak, even? Like every <laughs> at my peak? Day. Jesus. I'd go seven days a week at my peak. Sometimes I go yeah. to two shows in a night. That's crazy. You know? You could not. You would have to pay me in order to go to two shows in a night. <laughs> Yeah, Berdan, her show's like ruined for you and, and not all shows, but like I find myself like my wife's like she wants to go to some kind of show or something and I'm just like, eh, I don't want to go to a show. You know, it's strange. Before this pandemic, I would have said absolutely. Like I'd only go to shows to swing by occasionally if friends were in town 
right. and like say hi and fucking leave before anybody played, you know? But since like shit kind of hit the fan, like I feel like my relationship to like music and kind of like our overarching community has changed a lot. Like I've made it a point to buy way more records during the pandemic and like that's helped me to feel connected. And yeah, man. I feel like now it's like, I don't know. I kind of have it in my head. Like I've benefited so much from the support of like, you know, like fans of my stupid band and like fucking like peers and, you know, like I feel like why would, why should anybody support me if I don't support them? And so I'm kind of, I'm now in this like, it's not like, oh, I'm super stoked to go to shows. I'm fucking not. But I am I am excited to like see my friends do the things that they love and like kind of like show up for that. So I'm gonna make it a point to go to way more shows than than I was going to beforehand. Yeah, man. It's cool. I've had a similar feeling, like affirmation of our privilege, you know? Mm-hmm. Like Chase Chase always calls it imposter syndrome. I think it it pretty much is, I guess, but it, it's just like, how, how, how do we get into this position where we get to do any of the things that we get to do, even on a little level? You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We just feel, I just feel like so lucky. And if, if I get like too high, I just start to think like, fuck, I shouldn't be here. Like, I really don't belong in this position, you know, any sort of position of, of like getting mm-hmm. to play my music out. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so easy to humble yourself. I, but I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. I I completely agree. I mean, it's one of those things where I I go through that too. And I can, you know, it wouldn't take me long to assemble a list of hundreds of names of people who I feel would be far more deserving of the position that I'm in. Um Yeah, definitely. Where it's like they fucking work hard, they have talent, they've got like, you know. They, they like they, they've got you know an ear for music they fuck they'll do anything but just for whatever reason like we wound up wherever we wound up and i mean i don't know for a long time i i i i felt very kind of like strange about it like i don't belong here and i kind of still do feel like i don't belong here but i'm instead of like feeling like kind of like fucked up uh about that i'm now just kind of at a point where i like embrace the fact that like fuck i'm lucky you know like yeah it's it's sick you know Uh, take advantage of it do you guys think like related to that do you guys i mean both of you guys have been out for forever do you feel like you're like every day that you were out you were still like proving yourself every single day definitely yeah that'll be That'll continue forever. And going back to what Bird Ann was saying, because the world doesn't work in the way that people get what they deserve, you know, we're in the we're in this position of you know whatever. We need to take advantage of it. Like that's the best way we could honor the fact that we got like a stroke of luck or whatever you want to call it. Because we both also, you know, we do we have worked hard. Fred's Fred's been watching us play for I don't know how many years. You know what I mean? It's been like a decade now. And, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, since you were like 12 or something. Yeah, whether we suck or not, like it's all subjective, you know. Let's just take advantage of the fact that we have the opportunities. That's the best way to honor the fact that we have them. And that, you know, because we, yeah, we can't control it. It just is what it is. 
we'll yeah. be proving ourselves forever. There's no, uh, there's no like permanent cool guy card or anything like that. Damn. I mean, what, what's the point of, what's the point of doing it at all? If you're not going to like do it like a hundred percent, like let's say you're playing some show like somewhere small, the turnout's not fucking great. You know, um, like the syst- like, you know, the, the PA sucks, like whatever, any number of things. It's like, well, you know, the few people who did come out to that, like they gave a shit enough to like fucking like be there to see you and you know they like they deserve your like like they're putting you know whatever money in your pocket and like whatever love in their heart like like towards like this stupid fucking peter pan shit that you do like you bet you 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 owe it to to people to like do your best all of the time that's like that's one of the only rollins mantras that i still would ascribe to you know his like i don't care if there's three people out there you better play as hard as you fucking can totally it's like those, yeah. those people have deemed you for whatever stupid ass reason worthy of coming to see and supporting your stupid art yeah you know yeah big time that's a good attitude those shitty shows are like those ego breakers are good for you i think yeah and plus our bands are going to play shitty shows until the end of our bands you know what i mean until the end of time there will always yeah. be some like weird show in like the Midwest or something, some tiny little town or some weird situation where just nobody gives a fuck about you. Totally. Yeah. And there's I, always that cliche of like, and which is totally true. Been true for me many times is like, you never know who's in the audience and where that's going to lead as well. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, I find it, like, like, like Dylan was saying, you know, like they, like bad shows can be like quote unquote bad shows can be great experiences. They can be learning experiences. They are like fucking like Zen moments. They are humbling. It's kind of like, God, here's like some fucking toxic male shit. You guys ready for this? Like toxic male shit. Like <laughs> as a, a, a man in a certain age bracket, the thing that I think has humbled, a lot of things have humbled me, but getting my ass kicked a lot of times mm-hmm. in like, you know, in varying different ways, like has been good for me. It has been like, like that is the kind of shit that kind of like cuts you back down to size. And yeah, yeah you need that stuff. Yeah. yeah you, you definitely need it. You need to get fucking beat up every now and again. Like, like a pack of dogs when they bully the small one or whatever. I mean, that's shitty, but like, I was just telling someone about this the other day. Full of hell internally is pretty ruthless. Like we talk so much shit on other all the time mm-hmm. because that's just, that's just like a rhythm. That's good for you. If if your friends are telling you what a fucking loser you are, it's not going to bother you when some jackass that doesn't know you tells you that. We have really? to like acknowledge that we're losers and posers and whatever, and make fun of each other for it to toughen ourselves up and play that shitty gig. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the shitty gig gets better and better. And then, you know, then you've become more and more accepting of your fucking jerk off bandmates, you know, <laughs> Berdan, you ever have that moment um, when you're playing a shitty gig, this happens to me like all the time when, when, if nobody shows up for some reason, I'm more able to like tap into like what I feel is like a fun set where I really feel into it. I just kind of fall into it. I almost feel like, 
too relaxed when there's people there to see us. But when there's nobody there, I'm just like, I'll get bummed out and anxious about it. And then when we get to play, I'm just like, well, this is still so fucking fun. And then I just like completely fall into it more so than when, if it's a good show, because I think when it's a good show, maybe I'm thinking more about all the other details that don't actually matter. You know what I mean? 100%. Yeah. When it like, when it's like, you know, kind of a show that has me feeling like a little demoralized once I'm able to kind of like release a little bit through playing, I feel like I'm willing to take more chances and I'm willing to just do like, I'm willing to like have this like primal experience, which is like what I wanted to like be in a band for in the first place, you know, exactly. sometimes like, dude, like, you know, like if you're playing like that, I, I know for me, that there have been times where I'm playing like these fucking like big shows with like tons of people sold out, like the energy is great, yada, yada. And I'm in the middle of doing whatever. And I'm thinking like, this is what I've done with my life. I'm like a 40 year old man kind of like bobbing up and down yelling. Like <laughs> I'm not a fucking social worker. Like, yeah. and uh, <laughs> yeah, like, and that's not the feeling that I have. I mean, I mean, whatever. Like, I, th- I guess probably everyone has like these, like you know, kind of existential moments. Um, you know, no matter what field you kind of fall into. But oh, I'm sure, yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, like when I'm playing in front of fucking five people, uh, which happens from time to time, I feel like I'm fucking like fifteen, and it's great. Yeah, man. Yeah. Even better if they buy a T-shirt. Yeah, maybe maybe there's just less social pressure when there's nobody there. Like seriously, the last few times I feel like that I could even remember that I would consider like adequate were mm-hmm. times when the show was like fucking bad, like real bad. Like we're we're opening for some metal band and no one's fucking there, and I'm just like, damn, this sucks. But then when we play, I just have so much fun playing for some reason. I don't know. I guess the pressure's off, you know if you've deemed the gig a failure, maybe, maybe it like braces you for, it sets your expectations so low, you know, then you have yeah. a blast playing. Definitely. Definitely. I, I, I like thinking like, you know, fuck, if something's a failure, if I'm going to fail as a person, like I want to fail hard, you know, yeah. like fuck it. Fail viciously. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I've definitely done that a few times in my, in, in my life. And I think, you know, that's the hard, hardest part is definitely being able to just like shake that off. I mean, that's shaking that off, I think, is a skill in itself. You know, um, it took me a while to be able to do that. But I, yeah, I feel did you like, ever feel, did you ever feel like overwhelming anxiety or, or, you know, crushing whatever when like a show would bomb? Because that's not your fault. You know, like it could just be, oh, you absolutely. Know, there's so many things at play, obviously. Absolutely. I mean, like, like, well, first of all, um, you know, at this point, I would say in the past five years or so, I haven't really booked that many shows that weren't um, friends, you know, or at least I, you know, at least I'm friends with like one person in the band, you know? And so I don't know, you know, you know, there's times when it's just like a small band or whatever, or like there's competition and you just, you can't, you know, there's no way around it or whatever. And I, I know personally, like in my head that, yeah, there's, 
you know, you did what you could. It's a, it's, it's, it's not your fault entirely, but at the same time, you're like, yeah, dude, my friend came all the way from fucking Chicago. And like, this is how I greeted him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It still fucks with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you can't, you can't let, you can't let that practical reasoning like actually take hold. You're incapable. It still bums you out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I guess that is, that is a driver, which is good, you know? And I feel like I'll never, I'll never like not think that in my head, you know, when something like that happens. Um, But it's still just, it's still, uh, I mean, realistically, I know that like, if I do the due diligence and, you know, people don't come out, that's not, there's a zillion mitigating factors, you know? Right. Um, Yeah. I would understand the pressure. That's all. Like I booked a couple shows. Like I booked shows when I was in high school, you know, cause I live yeah. in a small town. That's like the only reason anything happened. Mm-hmm. And I always felt extreme pressure and the stakes were non-existent. You know, I didn't know what stakes were. I remember booking one time we booked pianos become the teeth, uh, like right when they first started mm-hmm. and we put them in a basement and me and my friend were like, fuck dude, we got to come up with $75. That's how much money they want. I really hope we can come up with $75. And for some reason that seemed like a, I don't know why we didn't just have $75. I'm sure we did between us. Yeah. We felt pressure. Like I hope fucking 15 people come to this show so we can pay these guys. Yeah. It's so so funny. Like (laughs) as you get older, that number becomes, and you know, do these shows. Yeah. Yeah. It's like $5,000. Yeah. I'm going to look for 25 G's and you're just like, you really, I mean, if you really think about it, think about it, then you're like, well, actually, you know, I'm going to get these guys coming in. So it's not, I'm not really on the hook for that much. Right. But at the same time, you're like, yeah, but you're on the social hook for these other things, which goes back to my conversation. You know, man, promoters like, really get the, ter- the, they get the short end of the stick though a lot, man. This buddy of mine got like, he had been doing DIY shows, you know, at a certain scale, like bigger shows for a long time. And the IRS had come around for him because he bands up and I don't know, not doing the due diligence on the back end or whatever, you know, just trying to help these bands out. And it bit him in the fucking ass. Like I couldn't believe as how hard it bit him. And it's, I don't know. It's just like one of those things, like they were just trying to help people out for years and look what yeah. it got them. That's I don't know. Fucking it's a lot dark. of pressure for promoters. I think that game sucks sometimes. Yeah. 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 But I, I don't know. I guess. Um, yeah, it's, 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 and it's really thankless. I feel like um, it's something that like I've only, I only did because I don't know. Nobody else would step up and do it. Right. Fill the space. Yeah. 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 And it was just strictly because. I was being selfish, I think, <laughs> you know, um, did something good though. We yeah. never, you're the reason we started playing New York city. You know what I mean? I seriously feel like only because you booked us, did we have any opportunities? Right. I appreciate people. that, man. And, you know, and, I know, it's not true, but <laughs> no, seriously, someone, you, you, you know, Dave Heck, Berdan, you know him? Have you ever heard of this guy, Dave Heck from PA? I know that, I know that name. Where, where, where do I know that name from, from? He's a dude from Lansdale. Nobody wanted to put out our seven inch and Dave Heck took a chance and put out our seven inch. And literally, you know, that's like when someone decides to take that first investment, it almost mm-hmm. like legitimizes this art in this tiny little way. It allows oh, us yeah. to go on tour with a seven inch 
And, you know, you brought us to New York opening for From Ashes Rise. We met Brad through that. We met everybody through that. Like, and then the next time when we played Vitus, we played to two people. And one of those people was Balaj Pandi. So like we made really good friends with Balaj and that was a long relationship that, you know, it's just weird. The domino effect of like one little action, you know, yeah. so it's cool that it, you think it was selfish or whatever, but like, imagine how many weird connections sprouted out of that, you know? Yeah, no, Every, I know. And it, it's funny. It's, yeah. It's funny that that snowball thing, like how I met, how I met Brad years ago, just like eating tacos, you know? Yeah. And I was like, I was like, Oh wait, you did, you were in death threat and you you did all these other bands. And I was just like, Holy shit. You know, and then, you know, we, we would talk or whatever. And then eventually it was just like, Hey friend, we're from ashes rises. You can come through, you want to do it. And I was like, wow. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's the whole thing is humbling and wild. And I bet Bernane, you probably known Brad for a while, right? In passing, you know, I, I, I certainly saw like all of those bands a lot. And uh, yeah, I mean, I remember you know, from, from Ashes Rise playing Stalag, like, mm-hmm. you know, like shit, this is going back, you know, 25 years or so. And, yeah. uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know him well, but I, I know who he is. Um, and yeah, I, I, I like his shit. Cupcake of a man, that guy. Good. Yeah. I like Rip cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, that, that's definitely fucking true. Yeah. So, speaking, speaking of fucking uh, the, the, this this promoter, the, the promoter hustle, and you know, kind of like the life where we're all kind of part of this, like you know, this network here where like we facilitate each other's existence. And Fred, like you, like you need to do the thing that you do in order for Dylan or for me to like exist. Um, so with that, it's like, how are how are shows looking for, you know, the, the coming months? Are things kind of filling out? You book you 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 booking shit? Uh, so we actually got a tour for January that has like a crazy proximity clause. So we were gonna play some gigs in November. Mm-hmm. I wanted to play Vitus, of course, and Philomoca. You know, just like places we know are really cool and special to us in that way. But yeah. all that shit canceled. We got on Psycho Las Vegas last last minute. Like, we got a text in the morning. I got a text in the morning when I woke up that was like, "Hey, so and so dropped. I think I can get you on Psycho. I'll follow up." And then, like ten minutes later, it was like, "Okay, you're on Psycho." It announces in like two hours. So like, <laughs> oh, shit. But I was I, for months. I'd been like, "Yo, you think you can get us on Psycho?" Because we weren't originally on that lineup because we'd played the previous pre-COVID year. Yeah, And uh, I, I was just thinking like how exciting it would be because that was actually really fun. Um, me and Spencer don't party or anything, but like going out there that first year, I was just like, this is ridiculous. There's no reason that this shit should be in this nice of a casino. It's absurd to like see all this shit going on. We had rooms to hang out in because there's no reason in hell I'd ever go on vacation to Vegas on my own dollar. You know what I mean? It's expensive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have Psycho Las Vegas and Spencer just booked a show last night in their hometown, like ocean city area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really tiny town. There's like some brew pub in town where they're doing like metal Mondays. <laughs> so you can imagine, I think it'd be pretty cool, but we haven't played like a hometown show in a long time. So wow. we'll do those over the summer. 
and then just wait and do the January tour and then, you know, get back into it. I'm honestly kind of apprehensive about how heavy touring is going to be for like the next year. Like in terms of like, just like 20 holds in every venue and like every fucking tour every day, especially the first people to announce tours are these like, uh, kind of out of gas metal tours. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, those are like the ones that I don't know. I don't want to talk shit, but like, just, you know what I'm talking about? Just like fucking for profit metal. It's kind of like the story for me. Those are the ones that announced first. I'll let them go out and like, see how it goes for them. You know what I mean? It could be a, I'm pretty optimistic, but you never know. I mean, shit could be a disaster. This Yeah, totally. The, um, yeah, the psycho psycho thing. I I've never gone actually, which is kind of wild that I've never gone to this thing considering how in my corner it is. And, you know what I've never asked you guys? I mean, is there like either of you guys do do people like like bands? You know, in our world, do they play Las Vegas? Yeah, I have. Definitely. Yeah, totally. Yeah, like, where great shows there. Nowadays, last time we went through with Primitive Man, we played this spot called the Bunkhouse. Okay, and there were actually people there. It was fucking okay. sick. But okay. before that, yeah. we. See, with Full of Hell, so much stuff was always DIY booked that we had these, we have these friends out there. They play in this band called God's America. Okay. This thick-ass power violence band. We've known them since we were like really, really young when we first somehow lucked into a show with them. And they always brought us to Vegas and we would play like living rooms and shit. And oh, the wow. shows would be bonkers, you know, crammed into this living room, do merch outside, that style. But we've yeah. played, and we've played for metal tours. We've played hard rock and stuff. I would say like metal tours to me are a little hit and miss. Like when it gets legit, it's a little hit and miss, but the DIY shit's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah, like the, the middle ground in between DIY and fucking <laughs> Celine Dion and stuff. Yeah. I gotcha. Right. Right. But the bunkhouse was cool. It was, it was like just the right size, you know, and fits like a couple hundred people. And yeah, I think it's cool. It's a definitely a weird market. I would say like, yeah. a, like you, I, I, I think it's easy for bands to have zero people come out to their shows. Like we could easily play to zero people if it wasn't booked at the right time with the right promoter, with the right bands. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I've definitely played, I played a, we played a casino in Vegas, uh, to final at the hard rock. I I forget where it was. It's what it was, whatever casino Chippendales is based in. Uh, I I I remember that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, That makes sense. Yeah. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, we we played that uh and there was maybe maybe 20 people. It was it was it was a pretty rough show. Yeah. Uh but then Was it just you or was it like uh, it was with uh it was with Black Queen. Oh, okay. Um, oh, right, 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 right. And um and then that we sense, play- That's like very niche. I feel like would do well but not in Vegas. Vegas is a weird market. When we went there with the Cavaleras and Immolation, there was mm-hmm. maybe a hundred people there. Maybe we played yeah. to like 10. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, no, totally. And we played, we played bunkhouse last time with the body and that was fucking great. Yeah, that's um, what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's sick. Bunch Probably of people. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I forget his name, but he was really, Ruben. really cool. Oh yeah. Ruben. That is the, that, that is him. Uh, yeah. They had really good food there. Yeah. It was <laughs> really good. I actually forgot about that thing. Yeah. That's a good gig. Yeah, yeah. Beat the fuck out of some kid though during uh maybe primitive man set. Very mm-hmm. random. That's not good. Story was no, it was not cool. But I don't remember 
the circumstance. I just remember like hanging outside and everybody being like, fuck security here. They're beat the fuck out of some kid. And I didn't, I didn't know why or, or, or whatever. And some guy turned up before the show. And I think he might've been from some like, like Maroon five, maybe, or some wacky ass, like radio rock band. Mm-hmm. And he just bought merch from everybody and then left. It was really cool. Wow. I'll tell you, it wouldn't surprise me if it was Maroon five, you know, about the bass player. Yeah. You know about the bass player Maroon five, right? No. Yeah, you guys know this. Okay, so the yeah. bass player of yeah, Fred definitely knows this. Yeah. 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 Uh, dude, so the bass player of Maroon 5 is like a super deep industrial head. And he, he, he has this project with uh with Don DeVore called Collapsing Scenery. Um Don DeVore from um Ink and Dagger. Yeah, and, from Ink and Dagger. Uh, Icarus so, line and all that. But uh this guy, the the Maroon 5 guy. He straight up like bought the like the wasp synth that William Bennett uh, from White House used to make Erector. Like, whoa, whoa, I didn't know that. Yeah, like he's like the guy who fucking like owns the Erector synth. Uh, like, yeah, uh, like, and he's just like, yeah, fucking like deep fucking power electronics industrial head. It's That's wild sick. how many people are in commercial bands that are actually like would surprise you like old hardcore dudes or whatever, you know, whatever it might be. But you know, they're just playing, they just like playing music and they have interest in like pop in that way. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. a lot yeah. more people than you'd think. Yeah. It, it's totally. funny also to I see, think. it's funny also to, if you like, I mean, you know, as you get older, you like, you meet all the people behind the scenes and I feel like all of them are hardcore guys. Yeah. I love you know? it. It's a yeah. fun. It's like, yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Like that yeah. actually makes sense. Yeah, totally. Because they have gumption and DIY, you know, ethics. And I think that goes a long way. Like it turns you into a hardworking person because you scrape yeah. stuff out of nothing. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, it's that's that's wild. Yeah, and it's funny. It's too, like when I started working at, at Vice, um, my... And I'm sure, I, I don't know if I've ever told you guys this before, but my, the guy that I worked for, my direct boss was like this guy who went, like went on tour with like burn and, um, and judge. And he like did merch and like tech for them. And then he managed sick of it all. Like when they were starting to get really big and kind of crossed over and shit. And it's like, you know, this was the guy I worked for, you know, of course I'd be, of course I'd be down to work for somebody like that. You know, I don't know. But yeah, definitely. They're just like, on, they're on a level. I yeah. yeah. That's why I always liked, I don't know. We used to, I remember when we first started touring, um, some of the towns we'd go through, like some like old, older metal dude would book the gig for us and he'd be real nice to us and everything. But if we talked about metal, sometimes I noticed like bands that we would bring up, they'd be like, they're cool. The riffs are all right, but you can tell they're hardcore, they're hardcore kids. Like mammoth grinder <laughs> was one of the ones I remember bringing up and this dude just like kind of dogging them. And it just, yeah. cause they were like, they, he could tell they were punks, but like for me, the, the metal bands where the metal was played by punks was like always, almost always so much better, like yeah. autopsy or something, you know, where yeah. it's like raw played with urgency and harder. I don't yeah. know. I always thought that was just a weird, a weird critique, you know? Yeah. Music I mean, I, th- punks. I totally agree. Like someone like, you know, like let's, you know, someone who I would say is the like ground zero for metal for like the past 20 years, someone like 
Chuck from death, you know, that the fucking first record is like, there's a lot of punk notes in that thing. You know what I'm saying? Um, and like between that and like the fact that he did it with, with Chris, you know, from autopsy. I, think I don't that, even get, I don't get the contention. I don't even understand where it comes from in metal culture where people are like opposed to music made by punks, because I feel like those cultures have been intertwined forever. Like one time yeah. I was hanging, I was on, we were on tour with immolation and I just remember one night in New York, just being backstage with Ross and Bob and they're just hanging for guys with guys from breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. They're, like, they're, they're all, all homies. Yeah. That's so like, cool. Yeah. This fucking makes sense. Yeah. Like, all the old school guys are hanging out with all the punks. They're like the same fucking thing. Yeah. More yeah. or less, you know, I don't get totally. where they, so I don't get when fans are like, I don't get where the contention comes from. There's like huge stigma against like music coming from, you know, a punk perspective yeah. with metal, with certain metal heads. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's funny. I asked Carl from breakdown. Carl was in breakdown and uh, killing time. I asked him about that and he said, yeah, he would hang out with the immolation guys and Will Romer would be around. And like, you know what I'm saying? It was just like this one thing. They were all from Yonkers, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, like from the outside, you're like, what? Mind blown. But then you think about, ah, all just neighborhood kids, you know? <laughs> yeah. It does, so it does make sense. But yeah. to me, it like really brought a lot home. Cause I really look up to immolation, you know? they're a pretty DIY sick ass band and it was just cool to hear them kind of like set it straight in my head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's always been like this because that's how it always made sense that way to me too. You know? Yeah. I, I've seen it go in reverse a lot uh, as well. Not, not so much these days. I definitely see it more these days with like, you know, kind of like metal people turning up their nose at like at hardcore, like, you know, people who kind of come from hardcore, but God, I remember, you know, in the mid nineties when there was kind of like the second wave of youth crew and, uh, there, were, there was this like giant pushback by, you know, bands like, you know, rain on the parade or, uh, or what have you who, uh, or, or floor punch, like, you know, that do deeply resented like metals influence in right. hardcore. And mm -hmm. it was like, it was like this constant point of contention where like, if like there were like there were a lot of people who kind of like skirted like skirted the lines and kind of fucked with everything, but then there was these strange purists on every side, and it was just stupid. I mean, but at the same time, you know, part of me chuckles at this whole kind of like early eighties mentalities of like you know like the punks and the fucking metalheads fucking hate each other. They're gonna like they're gonna Eternal beat each war. other. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. They're going to beat each other up with fucking with chains and fucking uh and construction gloves and yeah. man <laughs> construction gloves. Gardening yeah. gloves. Yeah, yeah. All these all the above. It's funny. Yeah. And it's like why are you fighting this person? Cuz they're a punk. <laughs> Seems like every subculture has its purists that are kind of just like going to hate, you know. Yeah. I got I get it though too. Like grindcore yeah. purists like I completely understand why they wouldn't fuck with like full of hell or something, you know? And, I, and there's gotta be, I think there's always gotta be bands that are burrowing into that sound. You know yeah. what I mean? In a really pure way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're just keeping it straight up, trying to like push the envelope in a very specific singular direction. Yeah. I think that, yeah, totally. I think that's cool. You know? And yeah, I dig it. yeah it's just like, 
kind of like uh, I was talking to my buddy Ryan Jones. Do you know Ryan Jones? Um, yeah, I think Ryan's going to tour with us next year. Oh, really? Sick. I'm fucking well, stoked. Oh, that's right. It. You guys, you, yeah, you toured Ryan. And, uh, Ryan Jones is a, a friend of mine. I don't know if uh, Berdan knows him. Um, I don't know. I, he might have done sound for you, but like Ryan Jones is a friend of mine. He was in um, so Today is a Day. And I think he probably, you pro- Dylan probably met him when he was touring with the uh, Mutilation Rights. Yeah, yeah. He's the funniest um, fucking guy in yeah. that whole band funniest guy and i you always have i always have these funny ass conversations with him about what's like good slam and what's not good slam. yeah he's, <laughs> he's like all into the ping that's his shit for sure yeah that for that sure. Too. <laughs> yeah exactly oh man he's he's tight he's great yeah i think he's gonna drive help us drive and do sound and stuff oh that's Fantastic. so sick he's I'm really man. stoked yeah love that guy yeah, we got to get a trailer finally. Like we're way overdue for that, but uh, we have to get a trailer and we're like kind of inept with trailer driving. Um, I, I don't have any experience in Spencer's only experience is like 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. So we got to relearn and we want to have Ryan along to kind of like be our buddy to help us, you know? Yeah. Are you gonna, is it going to be like an official TM? Like are you, are, no, are you he's going not going to TM. I just want him to do sound and like, if we go into a city and we're like, fuck, I don't know how to park. I want Ryan to be able to park. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Or be like, don't be doing that. You know, just kind of like big brother in it basically. Yeah. So I'm pretty stoked. Goes a long way for sure. The great guy, dude, having a TM is like some like luxury level shit that we've never had. But last time we went to Europe, I had our agent guy do TMing like officially. Mm -hmm. And I overstayed it because like, it's just to me, to me, anything like that is like a waste of money. It's like, just cut all the costs. But like, I've never gone to Europe where I didn't have to worry about everything the whole time. I just fucking slept the whole time. It was so sick. I didn't care about anything. Had the same experience last time we went to Europe. It was the first time we ever had a TM and dude, we didn't have to fucking drive. I didn't have to sell merch. Like just like, just kicked it. It's like, what did I fucking do? It's like, I read the dark tower. Like who the yeah, fuck? I, I didn't have to care about shit. I think, I, I think things depending, it depends how, how everything shakes out. Cause uniform's going to be touring as a four piece now. And yeah. um, so I think that just kind of keep everything together. Um, you know, when it was just me and Ben or me, Ben and sharp, like it was one thing, but as things have kind of expanded, I think that we might be getting a tour manager for some upcoming dates just to kind of keep us all, you know, in our own zones. Um, but I mean, it it, it's weird. It helps. And honestly, the way I looked at it and I, I do the same thing with, with, with management, like having a manager, mm-hmm. which was something I was like, never really signed on for. Um, it just got to a point where the band for me and Spencer was so fucking stressful and we were getting into areas of like taxation and stuff where we straight up didn't know what the fuck to do. We don't know how to form an yeah. LLC or anything like that. It's not, not stuff you think about when you start a band, like that's not what you start a band to do. Yeah. And it got to a point where there was so much work that was being done just by me and Spencer in such dark zones that we knew nothing about that we felt like, underappreciated undercompensated you know even though those are roles that only we would take so like you know david save david sam like we'd never put that on them 
but like it felt unfair at the same time. And the only solution was to bring in a person to help alleviate that stress and to take on some of these responsibilities. We had to give it to a third party. And it sounds like such a whack. Like we had a bunch of older friends that were like, why would you hire a manager? Like you guys don't need a manager. And it's like, yeah, I know we don't need a manager. We do everything ourselves, but like having this guy as a support to us is like, just makes things like so much smoother. And like, it doesn't matter how proficient we were like this person can keep us, you know, from being burned out. You know what I mean? That is priceless. If they're going to help you enjoy this, like do it. You know what I mean? Like it's worth the money if it's going to keep you happy because the worst thing would be to be burned out and then just want to quit music. Like fuck that. I I completely agree. It's I, I don't think it's like, for the longest time, you know, me and Ben kind of operated uniform on our own. And since we've kind of like broken out into, you know, into management, it's, it's helped in so many ways. It helps us kind of, it's a tiebreaker in, in a lot of ways. Like Ben and I have very strong opinions on things. We can both kind of alpha dog shit and we need somebody to, to be there and be like, yeah, this thing that one of you guys are thinking or the other one's thinking, like it's cool or it's whack, uh, or like it's going to wind up costing you a bunch of money. Back the fuck off. Like, dude, uh, do you like probably, you probably have a better working and friendship, like a working relationship and friendship with Ben. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I've known Spencer for forever and you're just going to butt heads, but like having a third party really helps because we're both thinking stupid shit all the time. <laughs> Dude, I bet it gives you like, guys, it makes you guys more creative too. No, I would, I would imagine. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause you don't, you're not uh, yeah, filling definitely. your head with like bullshit. Like that you don't need to think about but what's going on with you musically, man. I know you like, like during the quarantine, you, you did the, um, you know, the record with, did you do that record with um, Spencer during the quarantine? Um, the, uh, I'm forgetting the, the, the side project that you guys have. Forget yeah. the name of it. Um, so like, I think Spencer wanted to, to do some kind of wolf by sounding shit for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I don't even remember how it came up. He was just like, should we just do this now? You know, we finally have time cause we're not touring. So we started doing the sword dream <laughs> and uh, yeah. So we tracked the LP and then uh, it went off to a plant and it took forever. So we tracked a demo afterwards. And it was one of those things where like, you know, the demo was like leagues ahead of the LP, even though it came out before it, it was kind of one of those things. Yeah. Um, and we, yeah, I don't know. It was a quarantine thing. Um, it's pretty cool to kind of explore ideas that we just wouldn't, would never involve full of Helen, you know? Yeah. Like, like I, I finally get to do a project where I can kind of fuck with some synth- synthesizer loops, you know, some like more ambient sounding, um, like serene kind of tones, you know, mm-hmm. that shit just would never have flown with full health. It might be more of a thing nowadays. I feel like the guys are way more open to anything now, but it's just cool to have, you know, something with its own little zone. So yeah. we tried to stay busy over the quarantine. We just wrote, we have like a, a few full of hell records that are recorded and, and, and written in various oh, stages of whatever, you know what I mean? There's, there's the LP that, you know, uh, it's coming out on relapse this year, but then we had sent stuff away for a collab like months ago that we recorded in a studio. And so our part of that is actually like done, you know? Um, 
And then there's another collab and, you know, there's just like a whole bunch of records just that we were able to, to lay down while we were stuck doing nothing. So it's kind of funny now. I feel like we got a ton of music in the can. Yeah. Wow. Like, what now? You know, did you, and so you, uh, so you recorded, you, did you do like the body thing and go see Seth or something like that and just crank it out like that kind for, of thing for the one collab, um, that it, uh, supposedly is going to be a dub record. Um, Wow. We tracked, we tracked probably four songs components worth anyway, and, and an SPK cover. And we just sent it off to the, to the other party. Wow. And that's yeah. it. But we didn't go to Seth. We just recorded in Baltimore uh, wow. with a buddy at developing nations. Um, wow. Yeah. So I don't know, various little spots. We did a lot of stuff up at machines though, for sure. Um, when we were up there, that place yeah. fucking rules. Yeah, as you as you know, Berdan knows very well. It's the cool. Yeah. It's the coolest. Yeah, but I don't know. It goes back to what Berdan was saying. You know, I just if I have this opportunity, I got to take advantage of it. It'd be such a waste. That's the true insult. It's not like why am I here? It's like I got to take advantage of the fact that I am here in the first place. Mm-hmm. You just got to do it. Yeah, totally. Go for it. Yeah, I don't know. And and Berdan, I don't know, man. Like, do you ever get the feeling like if you're not working on something, you're fucking wasting your time, dude? Like you feel this, like if I try to sit still nowadays and I get so depressed it's, if I sit, still. it's fucking dark. Like, uh, cause, cause it's like, if I'm not working on something and like, what am I doing? Like clean, like I'd love to say I'm cleaning the apartment, but I'm not, you know, uh, I I'm like watching a movie and I'm like this stereotypical fucking, you know, middle-aged dude who is just kind of like, who doesn't have a fucking job and who's just given up. It's like our, yeah. our job is to fucking create shit. And when we're not creating mm-hmm. shit, we need to be kind of like working to perfect what we're doing and then performing it. So yeah. like, otherwise like, yeah, we're just fucking, you know, lazy jobless slobs, you know? And yeah. Yeah. I mean, and also I, I know you do other stuff in uniform, but you're the singer of uniform and I'm the singer of full of hell. Mm-hmm. So I think our roles are so singing is such a different, especially like harsh singing is such a different kind of vehicle for expression. I think we can get away with not practicing or working on shit all the time. We could easily sit on the couch a lot, but I straight up feel like a fucking loser when I'm sitting on the couch. And I'm just like, what am I doing with my life? What am I accomplishing? Big time. I'm just kind of sitting. I'm just sitting here. And it's not like you're not ready to go. And it's not like you don't deliver when you need to end up delivering, but you almost like choose your own level of involvement, you know? Yeah. And I mean, honestly, that's a that's so much of a big part of why I had uh, like over the past couple of years, but definitely during the pandemic, had to kind of work on things that involved stepping away from singing and you know, kind of like challenging myself to make music in like, like using other instruments that I wasn't necessarily comfortable with. And oh yeah, like, you know, I, I, I fortunately enough, like kind of developed a skill set that doesn't entirely rely on me yelling in my apartment, which I still have to do from time to time, you know, <laughs> like, oh, I, yeah. I, I see yeah. the updates. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It, like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a weird gig. And also like, you know, kind of like what we were talking about before with the imposter syndrome thing. Like I know for me as a singer of the band, sometimes it's like, man, 
I like, like, what am I really doing? You know, it's like, I can't fucking, you know, like I'm not playing a riff. I'm not fucking, I'm not playing a beat. You know, I'm yeah. not doing, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not playing an instrument. So, so like what yeah. I'm doing is just like, you know, artificial. I'm just, the, I'm just the hype guy. And like anyone can quote unquote, anyone can do what you're doing. Theoretically correct. The, yeah. yeah. The, theoretically correct. But then like over the man, I, I, I just speaking for myself here, but like, I've had to take so many tips from so many people over the years on like how to use my voice in a constructive way that it, so that it, it'll sound a certain way and it won't just fucking die, you know? Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's wild. It, and like, yeah, it is an instrument. It's, and it's an instrument that you need to take care of in like a really intense fucked up way. I don't know. Yeah. You know what I've always been curious about, guys, is like, you know, like, I feel like when, like, you know, like, band guys talk about like this kind of thing. And I've I've definitely had conversations with with you guys that are like philosophical, you know. Um, Do you guys ever read any uh, philosophy or anything? You know what I'm saying? Like, is this all just because we're hardcore guys and we heard Bad Brains PMA? You know what I'm saying? Or is there is there something deeper that you guys look into and read about? Oh, uh, Dylan, I'll let you go first. In in relation to in relation Just to life like, and your 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 approach. I mean, not in the past couple years. Um, mm-hmm. I did recently read this book called The Prophet, which is like this really really old Gibran? book. Yeah, 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 yeah. Super popular. Um, yeah. It was given to me by a friend, only because I've been sort of on this like weird um, kind of like. I don't know if I would call it like a spiritual odyssey or like awakening or anything like that, but just kind of looking at like really what my position is in life and like what, what I might get out of it and what it might mean if it means nothing, you know what I mean? And and wondering, you know, what, I don't know, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty normal, pretty normal existential questions, I guess, yeah. but especially yeah. over the past year, but no, I, you know, honestly, past couple of years, I haven't been reading too much in, in terms of that. I, I mostly just read, you know, stupid fantasy. Like right now I'm reading, <clears throat> I'm reading, uh, I'm reading the book of lost tales. It's like, a Christopher Tolkien, you know, working out his dad's like old ledger notes on like weird old middle earth stuff, you know, just fantasy, which has, yeah. you know, a lot of subtext, but I'm reading it purely for like, you know, just enjoyment, you know, totally. So I don't know. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, it comes back to this like, like weird, like insecurity thing where, you mm-hmm. know, there was a point in time where I did read, like, I, I read a lot of theory for a long time. And so much of it just had to do with, you know, it's like I didn't go to fucking college. I like barely graduated high school and I wanted to, like I'd walked my way into this subculture where like, you know, my personality was able to take me so far. And I found these things that were like kind of adjacent to my personality, like in, you know, like thought and literature. And I just kind of learned how to like parrot them to people so that I felt like I've sounded smarter, you know? Um, But it was total bullshit. And at the end of the day, it's like, nah, I just fucking, I live my life. I fucking, you know, listen to my friends. And there are some things that 
I relate to some things that I don't like, but generally it's all pretty primal. And yeah, you know, like, I don't know, like to this, to this day, like I, I, I'll, I'll fuck with like, you know, certain kind of like, like I've, I've been reading like Gnostic gospels lately. Like I've been kind of like into like this, like kind of like Coptic Gnostic thought, like, I think I think everybody in the band deals with you know their own heavy mental shit all the time. Um, mm. Some of them like a lot, you know. It's it's like a big struggle. Yeah. So I think I think they just choose to you know just pour themselves into their music. You know, as corny as that sounds, I I don't think I don't know. I don't I don't know if we don't we don't we don't talk about that kind of you know world perspective. You know, I think. I think generally it's an unspoken thing in our little group. Yeah. And, I, and I think my worldview has been shaped for me from such a young age. I'm definitely the last couple of years I've been, what do I really believe in? Like, what am I getting out of this? Like, what are my principles? You know, like I, mm-hmm. they've been in me for so long, but what are they and how can I uh, talk about them, you know, articulate them and, and, you know, maybe encourage others to, you know, how can I be the person that I want to be? And for me, it's, I think my worldview is so simple that, uh, I don't know. I've had maybe an easier time, you know, I just, I just believe in empathy. I just, you know, I want, I want, I, I just want to put out, you know, good, good vibes, I guess, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. I, I want to be like, if, if I'm some kid's band that he likes, I want to be how I wished my favorite band acted when I was a kid. And I want everybody to know that I'm a fucking poser and that like, you can be here too. And you should go start a band. You know, that's super cheesy PMA shit, but like, that's just who I am. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of metal matters. Make sure you like, or subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon to get the most recent episodes automatically delivered to your phone. Thanks for listening and catch you next week. Follow us on Twitter at Metal Matters Pod and Instagram at Metal.Matters.Podcast.